Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. Uh, super thrilled to have Yannick Flores on the podcast today. Yannick, how are you, sir? I'm good. Hello to everybody listening out there. Yeah. Good morning, noon, good evening, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're super excited to have you on. Uh, we connected, uh, you know, through, we were just talking a little bit, uh, through a guy named Ryan Parker who we had on the podcast, which was just one of the one of the most fun and, and uh, engaging podcasts we've had. He's he's such a good dude. Yeah, yeah. Salute to Ryan Parker. Salute to uh, Justice Lopez as well. Uh, he's another, another great uh, colleague in my in this education field. Like, the Connecticut kids are just, Yeah, so to really what we're trying to do, Yannick, with the podcast is to to bring the authentic teacher voice, you know, out to out into the open and you know out to the public because we see so much of what you know our culture and our society thinks of teachers, but every time we have a conversation with a teacher, it's always so positive and. And we believe that overall and like overwhelmingly there are great teachers in this country and great things happening, but it just doesn't seem like those stories and those voices are getting out, you know, kind of in the masses. So that's, that's what we're trying to do, man. We're just trying to do our part to really get the authentic teacher voice out there. Definitely. Definitely. That's something that's really appreciated. And, you know, I really got for allowing my experience to add on to that conversation. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't mind, uh, if you don't mind, can I just give people a little bit of your background? You know how you got into the profession and and what you're doing now. So um, how did I get into education? Oh man. Um, well, I officially started um, working in education. Well, as a as a volunteer mentor, actually, um, through our mentor, which is a program we have here in New York. I think they're a bit national now. But um, when I started, they were in New York, and they were in, like, inner-city inner school um, in high school. And I got Massachusetts student in the Bronx, and uh, I was recommended to join that program for a friend of mine I went to college with um, because she had known that, like, I was about, like, working with you and things like that. But I never really saw myself becoming a teacher, like, certified teacher. Um, and so I started that, then about six months into that um, experience, um, I also went to another friend from college who recommended I join City Year um, and had me working in the school in, in uh, my neighborhood. Actually, like I literally lived like eight blocks from the school, so um, it was it was a, it was between those two experiences that really shaped uh, my foundation for how I got in professionally. Um, but I haven't working in the school system since I was about fourteen. Like I, my first few jobs were within the school system. Like, I had a job working with housing um, one summer in high school. The next job after that was working with the school construction authority. Um, and then the job after that was work, working in the Department of Ed uh, for New York um, on the executive floor, doing my clerical stuff. But, you know, like, education was always there. Even when I look back, like, my, my first, like, three years of college, I was working in the elementary ed department. And, like, I had, again, these are things that just kind of happened. Um, but didn't necessarily, like, you know, spurred me to say, oh, I want to be a teacher, because I've actually never been a certified teacher. Um, but I have done, like, a lot of, like, youth engagement, uh, community engagement things in school um, and within school settings. So, you know, 
education was always the, even though I was never officially a, a teacher. Um, and right now, I am just getting on grad school slash uh, working on uh, new positions. So mm, nice, nice. So, so in in your opinion, what is the value uh, of a really great teacher? The value of a really great teacher is them bringing something out of you that you didn't know was inside. Um, to to make that that statement very clear, um, my first like teacher that really empowered me was Mr. Brad, who was my fifth grade teacher, and he was like the first like male teacher of color that I had in, in school. But I went to public school my entire life, but um, he was the first one and. It was just something about, like, the way he would carry himself around, like, us um, as students, predominantly, like, the young man, like, you know, not always, but if he had time, he would take time out to play football with us. He'd, like, you know, teach us about, like, things, you know, just certain things that a man should know or young men should know, um, how to respect women uh, at a young age, uh, even, like, being, like, you know, like, there was one time he took one of my video game magazines and, like, Learn like a couple, one of the cheat codes back when we used to have cheat codes in games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he came to the school the next day and he like knew it. And I'm like, why do you know this? But you know, him like that was like almost like a cool factor about him. But then like him having that cool factor made me want to learn even more. Um, so you know, even so, he was the first male teacher of color I had. And then speaking to that impact as well, was uh, one of the first teachers I had in high school, a uh, man named Mr. Sturkey. And um, I was always terrible in math, but then, like, once I, he was just such a goofball, like, you know, he'd come and sing Mambo Number 5, that old song, like, I'm giving away my age here. Um, but yeah, he'd always come into class singing that song, and, like, I'm like, whoa, I always cracking on these dad jokes and stuff like that. And, um, but because he was so goofy, and I was such a goofball at heart, it allowed me to learn math better, and from there, like, I went from, like, barely passing to, like, you know, super excelling in all of my math scores, um, getting like, you know, uh, you know, excelling on like the region test, which we have here in New York. So it was just like having people like that in my life that allowed me to see myself to become more. Um, and that's what I think great teachers do. So it's, it's a little bit, and I know we're going to uh, off topic, but we're going to try to come back to it. So I'm interested as to what, what was your experience like? And, you know, we talked about this a little bit prior to recording, what was that like when you didn't have uh, a male teacher who looked like you until the fifth grade? Um, it, okay, so I, I could say it's a little bit like my experience was a little bit biased because all my teachers were like women of color. Um, mm. So it wasn't that I didn't have like, you know, like figures that I could relate to culturally. Um but I think what, what shifted the dynamic, you know, from having, like, all women of color to now having a man of color was that um, it allowed me to see myself in a different light because I was growing up, where I, you know, I grew up born and raised in Brooklyn, and around the time I was growing up was the height of the, of the, uh, the crack epidemic in, in here in the States. And so, you know, having a lot of black men and a lot of them I didn't see having, like, these jobs or were in schools, you know, 
a lot of them were like on the corner or, you know, that they weren't working jobs weren't like around in like the neighborhood as much. But it just kind of did things that I didn't think really stood out at the time that I didn't I couldn't appreciate at the time as a youngster. Um, but then having him, it like shifted everything. It was like, oh, there's a guy who actually teaches. Like, because before it was like, oh, it's only women that teach or only white women, um, which we still see is, is you know, the, the large majority of, of students' narratives and experiences, right? Um, if you want to look at stats. But to me to have that one male teacher kind of shifted everything to be like, okay, well, we do exist in this space. Then it kind of like clicked like a sort of curiosity to like figure out what other spaces we exist in that I'm not seeing um, as a young man, a young man of color. Um, and then kind of, you know, wanting to find out where those spaces are. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's just, you know, I grew up very small town, Wisconsin, you know, like 2,200 total people. And my first job was in Houston. And it was such a culture shock to me, um, you know, going into an urban school that was primarily Hispanic. And, you know, the, the rest were African American. But I was just kind of surprised at how many, you know, like you said, white teachers there were, but especially, you know, like white females and um, it took me a long time to, to understand, you know, the Hispanic and the African-American kids culture and the way they act and, you know, cause I had never really been around them. And, you know, once, once you kind of get their vibe and you kind of get their flavor of, you know, when they say this, this is what they actually mean. Um, I, my relationships improved and I, and I think, you know, on a broader scale, the more, I think it's important for, for kids to see teachers who look like them and in the profession and have, like you said, you know, that cultural understanding. So, definitely. so, definitely. so, um, yeah, no, go, go for it. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, because, uh, for me, it adds like a level of validation, um, that they wouldn't get otherwise, because, you know, I could say, like, the difference between, like, when I had, like, white teachers, because I went, so, my, so I'll give you a little bit of background of, like, my, my schooling. So, my uh, elementary school experience was in a predominantly um, black and Latino neighborhood, but then my middle school experience was in, like, Midwest, the Midwest section of Brooklyn, which was a large Eastern European uh, and somewhat Middle Eastern, Euro- uh, Middle Eastern uh, neighborhood, so it was Pakistani, a lot of Russian, Polish people. Um, and I was like one of the few blacks there and I could say like 100% even going into my high school experience, which was again, like more, uh, uh, African American, African immigrant, um, even Latino, like, uh, immigrant, like teachers and things like that. Um, that experience, that shift of going back and forth, I can notice the dynamic between how I was learning and how I was taught from the African American teachers and teachers that look like me, as opposed to teachers that were, like, Caucasian or white. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that they had, like, they came in and with their biases or whatever um, intentionally or with mal- or, or with malintent. Um, but it was more so that, like, my black teachers could could relate to me in different ways than, like, a wild counterpart teacher could. Um, and so that said, to me, um, I found that, you know, even through my experience, that students up to feel a little bit more empowered in their learning. Um, because if they know that there's somebody who gets 
that, you know what I'm saying? Um, as opposed to somebody who's like just kind of teaching them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and and I I can attest that it takes it takes a lot of work to be you know to to understand someone who you know not not someone but to, you know either you would say either someone or a group of people who are not culture. I mean, especially me. Like I think in my between growing up in my college time, I maybe had you know a handful of black friends and that was all when I was in college and I went to a college in Minnesota where there just weren't a lot of you know um black people and it's I mean that's that's just kind of the way it was where I grew up in Wisconsin like if if you're in Wisconsin you primarily only I mean you're primarily going to see African Americans in Milwaukee and everywhere else in the state you're gonna they're gonna be you know not as prevalent so going down there and and not just the african-american culture but learning the hispanic culture i mean it takes a ton of work and i think as a teacher who was you know recruited from the midwest to go to texas um i didn't understand you know how important that part was and if i could go back i would have spent so much more time you know really trying to dive in and understand those kids culture and get into you know get into the things that make them who they are I think it would have made a huge difference in you know how I related to them and and I learned over time but I definitely could have taken uh more time and and made a better effort to it uh, of doing that when I started well yeah I mean that's, that's education experience I mean um you know one thing I like to tell people is that like you know there's no like field as like human quote-unquote, as education, because, like, you know, you, people think that, oh, because you're a teacher, that, you know, you just go in, you do what you have to do, and you leave. I'm like, no, like, you know, there's plenty of things you have to take into account. You have to take it, like, you know, the student culture into account, each student's personality, each student's, like, you know, a disability if they want, if, if one exists, um, you know, the family background for each student that you have. There's so many different things that you're taking into account that you're learning as well. And there's not, I mean, there's, there's always going to be room for improvement, right? Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, all oh, the kids got me my first, you know, few months, few years of me work. Like, no, it wasn't like that at all. Like, I've been, like, laughed out of classrooms. I've been booed out of classrooms. I've stuff thrown at me. Like, you know, like, it happens, you know. Or, like, even kids that look like me, you know. So it's, it's not to say that, like, you know, we're always going to have this, this perfect view or this perfect experience. But, um... You know, as long as you look back at, you know, things that we did, you know, uh, strengths and areas of growth, and we look back and we say, okay, well, this is what I could do better next year, you know, that makes us so much better as educators. And, of course, you know, this is something we can, you know, it's always going to be room to, like, improve, always, always going to be room to grow. So, yeah, you know, that, that's, yeah. It's, it's special, you know. Yeah, and I, I love what you said that it's a, you know, it's a human field. and I, And I think that's the part that, you know, a lot of, I, I think teachers miss it, especially in, cause we've been talking a lot recently about, you know, what our universities or how our universities and colleges are prepping teachers. And there's not a lot about the human aspect of being a teacher. It's all, you know, strategies and content and all those things. It's not, you know, interpersonal development and relationships and all those things that really allow a teacher to, to, to do the job the best they can. It isn't. And, you know, because 
you know, it wasn't, and, you know, I mean, I guess I'm speaking, like, you know, almost from a naive point, historically, when I say this, but, you know, before, teaching was just a job, you know, you, you go in, you teach kids, you go home, right? But now, there's so much more pressure on it, there's so much more visibility in, in what we do, um, and that could be a, that, that it's a good and bad thing, right? Like we can cite the fact that you know, like you know, like we were saying before we had spoke, you know, a lot of the times the narrative around education is very, everything's very negative. Um, there isn't a lot from like the teacher's point of view, and you know that goes into like how we learn, how we like you know have to teach people to become teachers in the long term. Like a lot of it, like you said, is themed around like just pedagogy and and. and you know, topic development and all these different things, which are great. Those are the skills that you're going to need. But, you know, what I would have found, and from what you're saying, you would have found as well, to be a lot helpful when you were learning, like, you know, what it meant to be a teacher is, like, how do you, like, really understand and navigate the relationship that you're going to have with each student? Um, Because, like, each student, again, like, they're growing people. And, like, the reason why I also say it's the most humane field or human field is because, you know, you could also say the same thing for the, medical, for the medical field, right? But at the same time, you're not stuck with the patients for, like, X amount of hours every single day unless they're, like, you know, long-term care, right? You know, most most times, like, patients are, like, a month, two months at max, and then they're all about their business, you know? For us, it's like, you are literally stuck with these people for, like, a year, you know, 10 months out of the year, maybe a full year if you have them for summer school as well. And so with that, you're kind of noticing, like, things that they're going through and things that they, they're experiencing outside of the classroom that they're not bringing into the classroom, you know? And it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's doing a lot of people a disservice to only teach from that perspective because it's antiquated. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the, you know, what we should be focusing more on is developing, like, you know, having teachers understand, like, the actual, like, emotional ebb and flow of the school year. How things are going to go in your classroom when you start in September as opposed to when you're, you know, midway in, like, January or February, even, like, December, because the holidays are a tough time for, you know, everybody. Um, you know, I, I, I just believe that that would be something that we can all benefit from. Um, you know, but again, that all goes into, like, how we view education as a whole. Which, you know, another topic we'll be there for another, another question, <laughs> Right. All right. So, you know, so just kind of to to wrap up this part, you know, you said you were talking about what education is. So in your opinion, what's the most important thing or, you know, like the one thing that we really as teachers need to try to teach every student? I'd say the most important thing that we could teach our students is to always find value in who they are. Um, And what I mean by that is this. A lot of what happens, you know, instruction-wise within classrooms is typically geared towards passing the test or making sure that they could graduate at the end of the year. Um, which is fun. You know, it's, it's very noble, of course, it's something that we all need to do. It's a right? But at the same time, 
kids to allow for self-exploration. Um, because I think once students discover who they are and what they're good at, that in and of itself will alleviate a lot of the crimes and, you know, with poverty, that it decreased things with depression, that it increased entrepreneurship, um, generally increased, like, how people feel about themselves. Um, and there's not a lot of room for that. Um, and it's not to say that it's limited to just the arts. Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, if you put, like, a microphone in front of the kid, they're going to understand, like, who they are, like, the next week. No, I mean, sometimes, like, I, I wish... Like, for me, the ideal school system wouldn't just revolve around, like, math and English tech. It would also include, like, apprenticeships where students could go out into different fields and figure out what it is that they actually like. Like, some students may be more adept at the business world. Some people may be more adept at woodworking or plumbing, you know? So I think, like, allowing students to have those experiences younger um, would allow for them to, like, really explore themselves more. Um, and it wouldn't feel so defeated and deflated, um, in my opinion, if they had, like, a lot more room to just, you know, for, for growth. Um, and for understanding exactly, like, their place is not limited to just a test, because that could easily turn a kid into being like, well, I'm stupid, I'm never going to be anything. Um, which is not the case. You know, some people are just not tested. Some people are just, you know, and even as we've seen with, like, some of our historical greats, some of them are not built for school, you know, um, which is fine in and of itself, but there needs to be more um, platforms for learning um, in that aspect. So um, I know that's a loaded, loaded way to answer the question, but to go back to the original um, point, it would, it would definitely be, like, to, to, you know, just reinforce the students not just like through words, but through our actions and through the opportunities and experience that we provide, that they do have value um, no matter what, you know, their school year, no matter how their school year goes. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's right on to, you know, the more we can, and and I'm I'm glad because this kind of leads in the direction we wanted to go with this uh, of, you know, know, self-expression for teachers and and those types of things and i think one of the most powerful things that we can do as educators is to really show our unique talents because i think the more we do that the more we you know like you said show the students that hey it's okay that you're good at you know like you said woodworking or music music or art or, or whatever it might be you know we make that okay so so kind of on that vein can you talk about um and I was really glad I got to listen to the first track of it. Can you talk about your mixtape, Teachers College or Bust? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's part of a campaign, a campaign, campaign, <laughs> a campaign that I'm doing, um, just kind of bringing more visibility on like my process into like getting into graduate school because it's something I wanted to do for a long time. Um, but then, as looking at the numbers statistically, like you know, African American women are like the highest. Educate, like they have the most degrees, most um, uh, accreditation in like the education system. But at the same time, like black men are like at the lowest out of every like race and, and uh, gender demographic. So you know, kind of going off of what we were talking about earlier when we were saying that we wanted to change the narrative about what is, you know, what even with this podcast, like what education looks like by having like real voices in the field. It's like, okay, well, I want to go to Teachers College for Education Policy because I want to change, like, some of the laws that we have in place and how those laws are being used to influence our our 
cool infrastructure, right? But then me showing like the process of like, okay, I am, you know, going to library to go study for the GREs. I am talking to this person so I can get a better understanding of the statement of purpose evaluation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, having like my own personal light on it is for me is like, for me, it is, as a teacher, one of the things I always really loved was the fact that you never really knew where your influence was going to end for somebody, right? Like, you know, kind of going back to my point about my first uh, teacher, Mr. Bratton, um, you know, not only did he, you know, was he influential in school, but then, like, I found out one day when I was, like, walking out with my mom we were shopping, um, I saw him on, like, a poster for, like, this music for a gospel band. And I'm like, wait, he does music too? So I was like, you know, that 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 kind of, like, brought this light to me. And I went into, you know, school the next day. I was like, yo, Mr. Biden, I didn't see words, you know. And for me, seeing him on that poster was like, wow, this guy has made it, you know. But then, you know, when I look back at my own experience, it was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm kind of doing the same thing. Or, like, I'm doing music. I'm also in the classroom. And for me, that was something that was really empowering to my students. Because then I was able to bring some of those uh uh, skills and techniques into the classroom, some of those experiences, and then allow them to shine. But then, like, I wanted to, so going back to you, but going back to the original point, I wanted to make sure that, you know, like, there was a light on what I was doing so that somebody else could look at it and say, okay, I can do this too. Um, because there isn't a lot of, like, voices in the field. Like, even, like, the whole process of going to graduate school, most people are like, yeah, I'm quiet about it. And I'm like, yeah, that's you, but that's not me, and that's not the experiences of, a lot of the young men that I work with or a lot of the young men of color in particular that I go to school with or went to school with or worked with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it was just kind of like me showing a light on that. Um, but then also like kind of detailing my hip hop experience as well because like the two are very much intertwined with each other. Um, and so it was kind of like you putting a nice phone uh, on, you know, tied and out with those two together. Like my love of education and my love of hip hop. Oh, yeah. yeah, so so on that same kind of hip-hop vein, it's it's something I'm learning about, but um, could you talk a little bit about the hip-hop ed movement and, and what you think the importance of it is? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a powerful movement. I'm not involved with it as much as I, I would love to be, um, but definitely salute to all the, you know, people involved, uh, you know, Chris, uh, Ryan, Justice, Edmund, Christina, like, I met a bunch of them when I uh, presented at the conference a couple weeks ago, so salute to them. Um, but I think it's a very, very important movement um, that is happening because it, it's allowing something to happen, which is, it's not revolutionary as much as people think think it is, but it's a breath of fresh air in this cultural climate where we have people, you know, essentially what we're doing with this podcast, where we have people who are in the school system and varying, you know, seats of, of authority, uh, power, influence, um, actually talking to people who are like the parents and, you know, the godmothers and et cetera, who are like, you know, we have these, you know, the Twitter, the Twitter chats every Tuesday night, I believe. Um, and then just having a dialogue about what each one is think, uh, seeing, you know, in regards to like the student care, because students are, are our number one priority for, for both, right? Um, and I think using hip hop culture because it's such a it's such a bridging okay, I get to use the word. It's such a bridging culture whereas in, you know, it's not like 
disco where, you know, people only from the 70s listening to it, like, you know, people now aren't. Hip-hop was started in, like, the 70s, early 80s, and now you have people who are, you know, born in, like, the 2000s who are like, oh, did you go know about this guy named Tupac? Like, you're coming up to me like, yeah, like, I was around when he, you know, like, you know, and then having that dialogue. So it bridges, like, the generational gap. Um, it allows for more entry and more authenticity for people's voices um, because that's something big that's in the hip-hop culture, just being who you are, not, you know, faking the funk, so to speak. Um, but then also allowing it to exist within this educational field, which, you know, is something that people thought could not happen. But it's like, no, like, we can teach about somebody's album and then have the students break it down so that it's, you know, relatable to, let's say, inferencing or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Or we can take certain aspects of, you know, somebody's rhyme and break it down into how it flips into math or how it breaks down into physics or, you know, all these different things. So it's not even just, like, hip-hop as a music form. Like, now hip-hop itself can be an educational tool um, and it's being used as a tool through hip-hop as. So I think, it's, you know, it's a powerful movement Eric wanted to grow even further than what it is now. Yeah, so so not just not just with hip hop though, and we talked about it a little bit prior. Um, you know, what is the the importance for educators in you know understanding the culture uh, that your students live in, and and how does that help us be more effective? Understanding your students' culture is probably one of the most important tools you can actually employ or have as a teacher um, because it's going to navigate how things are going to go in your classroom. Um, because, again, a lot of what you're taught in student teaching seminars or, you know, in professional development sessions is they're teaching you the technical aspect, like, you know, aspect of this is how you manage your classroom. But if your students are, you know, predominantly students of color, or they may have predominant, you know, uh, behavior issues, et cetera, you know, those techniques that you're learning may not work until you understand exactly like the student's background, you know, understanding the neighborhood that they come from, understanding little things like if, if you know, such student is related to ex-teacher, you know, understanding their, you know, you know, all of those different things, like even down to like, you know, me knowing, like, little, you know, me being in a restaurant and one of my students seeing me, like, oh, my God, I just met. Like, yes, I, I, I exist. I eat in the same restaurants and stuff you do in the neighborhood. Like, all of those different things make up or give you a little bit more um, access to the students, um, you know, in a lot of different ways. Down, you know, sneakers and, you know, hairstyles. All of these different things make up who the student is. And for you to be most effective, you should know who the students are, and that's only going to come to immersing yourself in that in that culture. It's the same thing if I was a, um, you know, I as myself as a male student of color, if I taught somewhere, you know, in a predominantly white neighborhood or predominantly affluent neighborhood, I would have to immerse myself in that culture in order to be most effective, as opposed to just being like a guy who's just going to teach you, you know, uh, algebra. Like it's not going to it could work, but for me to have the most impact. I have to find or, or find that fine line between like knowing who the students are and knowing who myself is, and then you know tweaking and 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 recalibrating along the way in order to make myself like the most you know uh, the best person to be in front of the students. Because at the end of the day, their learning is most important. Stuff. Right. 
So, you know, and we, we talked about this a little bit also too, but in terms of, you know, we want to understand the culture of our kids and we want to, you know, have that uh, understanding. But on the flip side, what is the importance of authenticity for teachers in, in allowing students to really get to know who we are as people? Yeah, I think it's, it's important to, and again, this is what I was just saying, like, you know, it's, it's a fine line because, you know, you don't want to come in, you like, you don't want to be the teacher to come in with, like, you know, gold chain on and, and, and sunglasses about, yo, what's up, y'all? We about to learn this math. Like, no, you're not going to go into any city classroom and learn, like, and teach students effectively that way. Like, it's inauthentic, and, and it could be offensive, you know, depending on the level of severity that you do, right? But... It's also uh, important for you to be authentic with who you are because students are always going to sniff out whether you're quote-unquote real or whether you're quote-unquote fake, right? They're going to know who the teachers are and they're all going to talk to each other about the students who they think, I mean, not the students, the teachers that they think are cool and the teachers that they think are like, eh, they're all right, and the students that, they, you know, the teachers that they think are like, yo, I don't like this person. Um, and typically, like among students is, you know, it comes, it, it sways with the wind, right? But, but yeah. at the same time, um, you know, like, they like you because they find you to be, like, your real self, you know? And sometimes that may not include, like, learning, like, all the newest songs, you know, by somebody, or that may not include knowing, like, the best place to eat in the neighborhood or something like that. Like, that may not include those things, but it can. Um, it's all about, like, you know, again, like, finding, like, you know, who you are, how you like to teach and then figuring out who the students are and how they like to learn and then figuring out that balance between the two because, you know, regardless of, of, of how, you know, or what we're taught, you know, on, like, how to be the best educators, how to be the best teacher, personality is always going to come through. It's always going to come through because, again, you're with them for, excuse me, for eight hours a day, you know, for 180 days out of the school year, maybe more, maybe less. You know, so, like, you're going to spend a lot of time, these students are going to get to know you. So it's best that you just represent yourself in the best fashion. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's really well said when you, you said that we have to find a balance between who we are and who our kids are. And, you know, in the middle somewhere there is, you know, where we can teach and learn most effectively. Yeah. So we... I think we talked about it a little bit prior and, and we mentioned it a little bit earlier on the podcast, but what do you think is the importance of, of getting more men into the uh, education profession, especially men of diverse backgrounds? Um, it, for me, it provides a much more um, accurate mirror to the world, right? Um, because you know, you can work in a field where, you know, again, our field is predominantly, like, you know, white women who make up the majority of, you know, the teaching force, right? But then, you know, the majority of the world is, what, 20% um, European descent overall? You know, the rest of the world is, you know, the, you know, between, like, South America, Central America, Asia, and Africa, like, the rest of the world is pretty much, like, people of color, right? So... For me, like, it provides a much more accurate worldview um, by having more male teachers of color because there's, there's going to be men where you go, no matter what, right? But then to speak to the diversity um, element, there's going to 
going to be people from all different backgrounds that you're going to have to engage with. Um, and so by employing more people from those backgrounds, you know, and not just like, you know, the teachers of color or the male teachers who are from America, but employing the ones from international settings as well. Um, I think that bridges more, um, more gaps between like us as, as different civilizations and different societies because what works here in America may not work in, you know, in the West Indies, which is something that I found like West Indian teachers coming in with like one perspective and it not working because it doesn't work, it doesn't gel with American culture and how we grow up, right? But, yeah. you know, it allows, for, it allows for a much stronger worldview. It allows for a much more accurate um, picture of how just the world is and, like, how, how our nation works. Um, and it provides for more outlets for people to see themselves differently. Um, you know, there's, there's things that you can learn from people of different backgrounds, whether you can relate to them or not. Um, and I think that's another thing that's missing is that if you have just one um, one narrative telling you, okay, this is how it's done, and, you know, you're never taught to question it, you're never taught to think critically about what's being, you know, uh, put in front of you, of course, that's all you're going to accept, but by the time you get into the real world, you're not going to know how to interact with certain people, um, and then, of course, that's going to build into racism and bigotry and gender biases, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think it just allows for more um, tolerance um, and a lot more empathy amongst uh, students by having teachers of diverse backgrounds. Um, and it's something that our young men need as well to see teachers, you know, uh, to see male teachers, you know, learning how to, you know, engage with them in a much, you know, with our, you know, women and uh, non-gender binary counterparts. Um, you know, to understand like how we operate in those spaces as well, to see us in those spaces, so that way they know, okay, this is not how I should act, or maybe I should think differently if I feel this way in regards to something. You know, and it's not to say it's going to be perfect, because again, you know, teachers are learning just as much as the students are not for. Um, right. But I think, you know, just to, you know, kind of, you know, sum up everything I said, it just allows for more empathy, more tolerance, um, and a lot more uh, balance and how we see ourselves in the world. Right, right on, man. I think, and I think you said it perfect, too. It's, I mean, it's important, you know, and, and I think, you know, if you could start to turn the tide a little bit of getting more, you know, especially men of color, then, you know, it would start to, to be a more viable option. I mean, because there's, you know, there's probably a lot of kids who are in schools right now that would be great at teaching, especially with, you know, the way they grow up, but they don't ever see that as a viable option for them. When they, when they don't see people in the profession already that look like them, it's, it's hard for them to envision themselves in that position. Definitely. Definitely. So, so we want to definitely be respectful of your time today. So we're going to ask you kind of these last few wrap up questions. So these can be based on, um, your, your, uh, education experience or they can just be in general so um what's the best advice you've ever been given and who was that person that gave it to you yeah the best advice i ever uh received was from um actually my barber um who told me that success is taking myself out of the equation um i found that to be like the most powerful uh, piece of advice that i that i i got um because it allowed me to, to take what I do in the education field less 
personally, but more personally at the same time. Um, and what I mean by that is that I don't take, you know, some of the negative things to heart, but then it also, like, allows me to move with a little bit more urgency um, and more empathy towards my uh, my students, whoever they may be. Um, yeah, because I'm not thinking so much about, like, myself and what I'm going to gain out of it. It allowed me, like, hearing that advice allowed me to think more about what, you know, everybody else is going to benefit from what I do. And that's, that's the most beautiful thing because, again, um, you know, there's no, uh, we don't know where our influence is going to end with, with as educators, you know? Like, I didn't know that me seeing Mr. Brand was going to lead me, like, literally to his, you know, to him, like, you know, several years later, you know, when I was doing music and working in the school, like, at the same time, and I'm like, wow, like, here I am bumping into you on the street, and, you know, so, you know, again, it's those things that we don't know where it's going to end, um, and that's, like, the most beautiful part about being an educator, that we don't know where it's going to end, we just do our best and hope, you know, that it works out, you know, um, but yeah, definitely taking myself, uh, taking myself out of the success equation is probably, like, the most important piece of advice. That's awesome. So, um, what do you, what is the one thing you wish parents knew about teaching? That we know their students just as well, if not better in some instances than they do. Um, because we do see them for, again, like 10 to 12, you know, eight to 10 hours out of the day. Um, and so we get to see them in a different light when they're when the parents are not around. So we do have a, a bit of authenticity on how or what will work best for the student. Of course, the parents are the default um, authority figure, right? Like I don't want to say that you know say this and have it be interpreted in a disrespectful light. That's not what I mean by that. What I mean is that um, we bring just as much value to like how the students have learned. Um, and it could be a very collaborative process, which I've experienced as well. Um, and where, you know, when the student, when the parents come in understanding that, you know, the teacher does work with the student all this, you know, throughout all this time, they know how the student, um, you know, is learning, they learn what, you know, you know, what's going good, they know what's going, you know, not so well, you know, where they can improve, et cetera. Um, when parents come in with that understanding and understanding our value and not just saying that, we're supposed to just pass them because they exist or pass them because they have blah, blah, blah disability. Like, no, like, you know, we want your students to be best, but we also want them to, um, we don't want to give them, you know, an unfair advantage or unfair disadvantage and going into the, you know, their future. And so having, um, having more parents understand that element would definitely be something that, that's beneficial for all, in my opinion. Right on. Right on. All right. So if you could give uh, one piece of advice to a teacher that is struggling, what would it be? Lead with love. Um, and I say that in, I don't, I don't mean that in the naive, we're going to save the entire planet by teaching, you know, this one class with students, right? I don't, I don't mean it in that sense. What I mean by lead with love is to always lead with authenticity, lead with um, empathy, lead with a level of determination, um, lead with a level of unconditional love for your students, um, lead with a level of like, with a sense of humor and humility, 
laugh. But, you know, it's, it's okay to, to, to laugh with your students, laugh your students, laugh at you. Um, right. Because, again, right. that's just something that builds the dynamic, builds the rapport with the student, where they feel like they can, like, talk to you, where they can relate to you, where they can learn from you, where they can trust you. Um, so, yeah, definitely leading, leading with love. I would say that's, that's the best thing. Um, and just, and, well, two things. So just leading with love and then being who you wish you had in the classroom. Right. Right. All right. So what what would you say is the best book you've read the last year? The best book I've read the last year, uh, it would have to be A Bridge to, Ex- uh, Bridge to Brilliance. Bridge to Excellence. Um, Nadia Lopez, Dr. Nadia Lopez's book. Yeah, Bridge to Brilliance. Yeah. Her book was definitely like one of the things that stood out to me because, you know, she's, I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her story, but. Um, she like literally opened her own school in Brownsville, um, based off her statement of like, she opened up a school to close the prison. Um, and yeah, just reading her story about like how she came up and, you know, her experience with like being a teaching fellow and then her experience opening the school was really empowering for me. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I definitely, definitely recommend that book. And of course, um, for white teachers who teach in the hood, you know, by Chris Anton, I definitely recommend that book as well. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, his book was really good, too. I'm not familiar with the first one, but I'm going to have to check it out for sure. So, um, what's your proudest accomplishment to date? Keeping the school open. Um, when I was working at beginning with children in, uh, from 2012 to 2015, uh, my second year there, we were, uh, the school was in danger of closing. Um, and so, like, the principal, you know, of course, he, he led the charge. Um, uh, myself, a few of the teachers and staff, we all just kind of banded together and just, you know, came up with a plan. Oh, of course, for the parents, I, I should not forget them. Um, but, yeah, we all came up with, like, a plan together, like, as far as, like, the testing administration, even down to, like, field trips we would go on and just things that I was doing um, on on my end is more so with like the, the heart of the school in a sense. Um, because my role, again, I was not a, a teacher, but I was actually like, um, I was working with students. I was running that school program, ran my own at school program, uh, running like the lunch uh, program and things like that. So I was in charge of like kind of keeping the, the student morale kind of high throughout that time because students, they were, they were feeling the effect as well. They were worried. They were very uh, depressed. Um, they were anxious, you know, some of their friends had transferred out, some of the teachers, you know, left, um, things like that. So, you know, it was, it was a climate of uncertainty. Um, but through that, um, I have to say, like, you know, just all the things I was doing that year between, like, having open mics and, you know, putting the, the podcast that was running up on YouTube so that way the students could see themselves, um, you know, the field trips I had the students going on, like college trips in like the fourth to fifth grade, like things like that just kind of kept the students going. And so um, that was probably my, my proudest accomplishment because we did end up keeping the school open for another two years. Um, and, you know, it, it was one of those things that, like, I can't put it on like a resume, but, you know, I look back at it, the relationships I made and, you know, the friendships I still have to this day, you know, they, they're something I would never never take away and that time really showed me who I was and what I was capable of doing um and so being a part of that team was definitely um my proudest proudest accomplishment awesome 
So before we ask you the final question and get you out of here, back onto your day, um, where can people connect with you, find you if they want to learn more about what you're doing and, and check out your mixtape and all those things? Yeah, so uh, you can check out the Teachers College Robust mixtape. It's educatorlife.bandcamp.com. Um, and one thing I did not know, and I don't know why I was going to get too messy this, but uh, yeah, so the, the, the mixtape not only is just it's 12 songs, there. some of them are old, some of them are newer. Um, but the mixtape comes with a set of, a series of lesson plans, um, themes around some of the songs that are featured on the mixtape, uh, which you can then tweak however you want to. It, it's catered to grade uh, six all the way up to, to college, so it can it can really uh, be taught in any of those settings. Um, for most of those, you can cater them to like the K through five, but you know it's going to require like uh, a lot more tailoring a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can catch that on Teachers College of uh, Sorry, if you catch Teachers College of Us on EducatorLife.BandCamp.com, um, you can catch me on Instagram SoapboxVizzy. That's Soapbox, like you know, standing on a soapbox, V I Z Z Y. Um, and you can connect with me on Facebook. Uh, Yannick, I'm a regular guy. I don't really, you know, go into much detail about stuff. I just try to do what I do, and, and uh, you know. Keep it moving, but uh, I'm just happy to be in the field, and thank you again for this uh, this invitation to be a part of it. Yeah, man, we really enjoyed it. Had a great time, so uh, and definitely want to continue to to see you grow and build. And you know, I'm I'm gonna have to have one of these times, like finally book my first trip out to NYC and catch up with all the people. I mean, because we've had like six, seven, eight people from NYC all on the podcast, so I'm gonna have to get out and see everybody. So. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to have a jam session too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, final question: What do you want your legacy to be when it's all said and done? I just want my legacy to be someone to be. I just want to be known as someone who really gave his all to you. Um, because I, I don't know of, I mean, heroes in education, um, there's heroes that have done great things for, you know, my people, etc. but there haven't really been a lot known for just Really, really, really putting it down strictly for you. Um, and it's not knocking anybody who's been out there who's done the work. I'm not knocking them or discrediting them in any sort of way. Um, but I just wanted to add like a bit more authenticity to our voice, um, to the voice of educators, to the voice of the students in the field. Um, you know, so that way, you know, it's not just the newscast telling you what's going on in schools. It's not just, you know, a random, you know, blogger talking about this. It's not some political news site. It's, you know, it, it's us, you know? Like, I want to just be able to just add to that voice and just say I amplified it a lot more so people could understand why education is important, why it's important to get involved in education, why education is not the scary beast that, like, you know, a lot of the news reports like to, to portray it as, like, it's not. Um, I just want to be known for those things, you know, and I just also want to be known for just 
down to earth, real humble, um, somebody you can laugh at, somebody you can cry with, somebody you can just talk your ear off about anything. You know, like I just want to be known as like a really cool, great guy, if that makes sense. No, man, that's perfect. Like I said, super duper appreciate the time, and, and we're going to link everything up so people can check it out. But Yannick, man, thank you so much for your time and coming on the podcast. Thank you, thank you. I didn't go over time, because I wasn't sure like how long you had had it built. Oh no, no, we don't. We don't really have a. We don't really have a time setting. Some of them are, you know, the shorter ones have been like thirty minutes, but uh, the longer ones are more like an hour. So no, man, we're all good on there. So like I said, man, super, super appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much. As an added bonus to the end of this episode, we're gonna play you a little uh, one of the songs from. Yannick's mixtape, uh, Teachers College or Bus, so here it is. Street movie theater, my hood's with me. New post floor rocking, I got my hood with me. Hell yes in the hookah bar, my hood's with me. Bushwick rooftop, I got my hood with me. Million Man March, DC, my hood's with me. Set a page of a newspaper, my hood's with me. Learn a game in a stock exchange, my hood. Peace kick. I'm sorry that I haven't been strong. See, I've become known with so much black death going on. Even with all I win, and it's hard to feel power still shedding plenty. Kids feeling shook from Khalif Browder. And cop the Sergeant Blair for our women. Reminder at any time they become a victim. And they get at you too. Not guilty of good intention. So I'm always nervous when you don't show for attendance. Work my nerves, but it's always a blessing to see you progressing. Beat making, respected. Waiting for your hand to end the office, we kick it. I design curriculum. You listen to wisdom. A young Huey, both sharing jokes from the boondocks. Season four trash, what black kids gonna watch? Man, you have that on smash, cause your mind can change the world. Stay focused, never be deterred, and never play the herb. And when the enemy approach, say, To this education came with You saved my life on multiple times And if it's dope, ask me to spit Multiple rhymes as fine girls We date them, house parties We stay up, street fighter We play what, they hooded up Pardon me, I never meant to be rude Always looked at you as Michael When I came up this dude So I'm awkward and this friendship is still here It's so crazy, you came from the streets To success, please celebrate it Distress I can't relate When these white folks be hitting you with the nonsense They look at you with Superman complex You gotta be the highest, gotta stay inspired Gotta be quiet, be the flyest Dude, I know you're really tired too Just remember, use a winner for life So throw it up So rock boys in the building tonight Tonight, 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 tonight